welcome back to the People of the Way podcast, an online conversation for those who care for children and who desire to see them grow up in every way into Jesus Christ. I'm Sarah Cowan Johnson, a ministry trainer, consultant, and coach for Christian leaders. And I'm also the daughter of Father Len Cowan, who with his wife and my mom, Hallie Cowan, founded the Abbey of the Way, a home and ministry of prayer and spiritual formation for leadership development. And you can visit abbeyoftheway.us for more info on what they do. I love our partnership on this People of the Way podcast because we cover three generations between the two of us, my parents' generation, my generation, and then my children, as we have all sought to raise up children who walk in the way of Jesus. You can find out more about the People of the Way by visiting peopleoftheway.org or by asking to become a member of the People of the Way Facebook group. Our first episodes were produced last year in 2020. And then when COVID hit and our schedules and just the chaos of our lives kind of took center stage, uh, we kind of paused on recording this podcast and our plans were slightly thrown into chaos. So you can find those earlier podcasts on your favorite podcast site, but we're happy to begin resuming new episodes in this new year, 2021. Yeah, indeed. Really glad to be back. These podcasts and our desire to raise up children of God are focused on the concept of virtues. Now, in classic Christian teaching, these are various attributes of God manifest in the life of Jesus, which he wants to put into us through his Holy Spirit. The virtues are received and activated as we pursue a way of life focused on various spiritual disciplines. The disciplines put us, and in the case of this podcast, focus on our kids in a place where those virtues of God can get embodied in us. Through the years, we become more like Jesus, as Ephesians 4 teaches when we put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Over the course of this year, we'll continue talking about 12 virtues, one each month. They'll be presented in clusters of four under the headings of what are called the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, which 1 Corinthians 13 tells us are the ones that abide, that remain throughout all of life's seasons. So we'll be talking about ways of intentional parenting or discipling of our children, as well as ways in which we can become better disciples ourselves. Since most of what our children learn about Jesus and about following him are caught by our way of life, and explained by what we teach by our words. And each child and adult is unique and will respond differently to what we intend to do to help them to walk in the way of Jesus. And this is especially true when we think about the observable stages of faith development in children. And so on this podcast, we use John Westerhoff's stages of spiritual de development. And so we talk about three distinct stages in childhood. First, the experiential stage centered around the child, him or herself, and pursued with action and experience. Then moving to the affiliative stage, which has to do with the faith of the heart felt in the group, either the family or eventually one's peers. This is like age seven-ish to 11-ish. And at the beginning, the primary group is the family. But by the end of that stage, they're starting to identify more with their group of peers. And then the searching stage of adolescence in which questions and the critical perspective of the mind are to be encouraged rather than feared as, as kind of threatening as that may feel to parents and to churches. 
And those three stages in childhood eventually would lead to an owned faith um, of the heart, soul, and mind and strength as an integrated way of life for an adult. So in this sixth episode of the People of the Way podcast, we'll be looking at the virtue of relationships. It's the first of four virtues that come under the general virtue category of hope. Having relationships with others in the body of Christ sustains the hope which the God of hope wants to be for us and wishes to have us abound in. In the first creation narrative in Genesis 1, as everything was first being brought into existence by God, there's that poetic refrain given after each realm of the created order. God saw that it was good. And after the creation of the first humans, male and female, God pronounces all that he made was very good. We are described here and elsewhere in the scripture as the crowning aspect of God's creation made in its image, male and female. And that's not so much because of our superior nature as individuals, but particularly in terms of our unique capacity for relationships one to another, created as we are in the image of God, who is himself in relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we reflect the glory of God, particularly when we are in relationship with God and with one another, and thereby our hope in God and his presence now and in eternity grows and flourishes. That's why there's only one part in the second creation narrative in Genesis 2 in which God says there's something that is not good. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, the creation of Eve, specifically described in Genesis 2, even as male and female are described in Genesis 1, was not designed just for sex or procreation or multiplication, so much as for mutual relationship, partnership, and connection. This value of relationships, this virtue, is seen in Jesus, in his eternal relationship within the Trinity, in his being born into a family to whom he related and submitted, and in his calling followers, friends that he loved throughout his earthly ministry. Though Jesus could have done his work of teaching, healing, and redeeming humanity all by himself, he chose to develop a body of followers, which exists to this day, and with whom he continues to be in relationship. And so the biblical exhortations to followers of Jesus in the Bible are loaded with encouragements to relationship, to being connected in love to one another. Someday you may want to do a word study of one another in the New Testament. You will be amazed about what you see about the virtue of relationships. So this is an interesting time for us to be talking about this virtue of relationships, because as we all are aware over the past year with the pandemic, this relational virtue has been seriously challenged. Adults and children, we've all been isolated at home. We've been experiencing the stress of family relationships that were actually never designed to exist in isolation on their own. As we are going to work and sometimes to school in sort of these disembodied virtual spaces, <laughs> these screens, and we're confined to two-dimensional or socially distant interactions with each other. 
Um, and as you know, all the, the social kind of uh, clubs and teams and even churches and youth groups are no longer meeting in person. We're pressed into these exponentially complicated relationships within the home. It's like all the intensity of all the relationships in our life are sort of bottled up inside the home. Long-term, Marriage and families that are not adequately supported by meaningful relationships for parents and for children outside of the marriage and family are actually weakened and in a way doomed to failure. It is indeed not good for us to be alone, and that includes families. So this virtue of relationships needs to be pursued, restored, and strengthened through all the stages of faith development, and honestly, now more than ever. So I keep thinking, and I've shared this with um, some of you who are listening, I'm sure we've talked about this, but I keep thinking about how um, children who grew up during the Great Depression were often fundamentally insecure about money and possessions as adults. So we probably all know a grandma in our lives who saved, you know, twist ties and rubber bands and tinfoil just in case. And I keep wondering how on a societal level the children that are growing up in this moment will handle relationships as adults. Will they fear physical intimacy or crowds or socializing indoors? Will dinner parties become a thing of the past? How will this season of isolation impact them long-term? But if one ever hopes to be shaped in God's image, to live the very good life in God, the Holy Trinity, It must be done in relationship with others, first in the family, and then subsequently with the individuals and groups to which we will be drawn and sent by God, and particularly in the church, the body of Christ. So given our current COVID reality, which is here for a while, we hope that things will change later this year as the vaccine, you know, gets distributed. But for this current moment, how do we foster the virtue of relationships in ourselves and our children, both today and when things do, we hope, go back to normal. So let's consider relationships for the small child, which is uh, at what's called the experiential stage of faith. It's all about experiences, and it's all kind of focused primarily around the self. It's focused on the actions that happen to that child. These are people who are not anything more than concrete thinkers. So anything that's conceptual and this kind of big concept of relationships we're talking about is just out the window. It's on the stuff that happens to them. Mm. So as I thought about raising our own children, uh, one of whom is with me on this podcast, uh, I thought about communicating the blessing of their being chosen by us, that we chose them. We wanted them to be part of our family mm-hmm. and that they were chosen by God to be given to just to us. And that we are so grateful that God made it possible for this child to belong to us. Now, obviously this is communicated really wonderfully to children that are adopted, that they literally have been chosen by, by parents. But why not the other way around with with biological children? You are chosen. We chose to have you. uh, And God blessed us with you. And even in the cases of a child who may be a surprise, it's not worth talking about. (laughs) We chose you. And God chose you for us. One of the ways that we can communicate chosenness to a child is is what I'm going to call learning to listen with the face. 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've been through this at times where, you know, your child is chattering on and you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, and you're looking at your computer screen or your phone, or you're doing something, you know, some task and so on. And, you know, that'll, that'll do for a while, but listening to a, a small child at the experiential stage, they're looking for your attention. Yeah. I remember one of our children who will remain nameless, taking my face and turning it towards her and saying, dad, listen to me. So learning to listen with a face, learning to take your hands away from the keyboard, learning to put that little project down for a moment, maybe explaining, you know, honey, I, I, I need to work on this and can we have a conversation later? But just this sense of, of a child knowing that they really are being heard because you're not only listening, you're also watching them. Mm. Also, I, I think there's something wonderful about extolling the blessing of being a family. How wonderful it is that we are, in our case, the Cowans, and in Sarah's case now, the Johnson family, that this is our family. We are so glad that God has brought us together and, um, and, and that it's just so great that we're part of the family. This communicates that the relationships, however strained and stressed they can be, we're so grateful that we're here. It's, it's just really important that there be times when that be communicated loud and clear. Same is true of church. You know, we all use language that things like, well, you know, what church do you belong to? And, uh, you know, well, I belong to the one downtown or I belong to Pastor Sam's church or, or we're going to church. You know, we're going to get in the car. We're going to go to church. You know, I get that. What time is church? Is, what time <laughs> is church? Yeah, right. It, it, it's, it, it's something rather than the people. So again, ways to communicate that we're so glad that we are members of, that we're part of, that we're in connection with some people who are part of church. Now, if we're part of a small church, then probably your children know them almost everybody in that church. <laughs> but if we're part of something bigger, we're, we're, we're making clear that our children know that we are in relationship with others because they love Jesus. And what a wonderful thing that is. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. So some examples um, that I thought about, about how do we help our children learn to embody this virtue, even in the midst of COVID. Um, one question that I wanted us to think about is for those of us who have a COVID pod, uh, people that we continue to see, and I know not everybody is doing that, um, but just to ask the question, who's in your pod? So who are the people that um, you'll continue to see during COVID? Do you have people who, are they all very similar to you? Do you have single folks in your pod? Do you have people who are a different ethnicity, who's in your pod and why, I think is just a really question. helpful question. Um, I think regardless of what your church is doing for worship, I think making it a point to help your little kids to stay connected to other believing adults. So many churches are offering great programming for kids on Zoom or other creative ways, but are they able to interact with other adults who love Jesus? And if your church is not providing that, how are you providing that? Um, if you've ever read the book, Sticky Faith, I highly recommend it. One of the things that they talk about that is essential to a child developing faith that sticks is that they would know five other believing adults who are not their parents, who care about them and love them. And so COVID may have really shrunk that circle. <laughs> it may be one or two that they're really staying connected to, but how can you encourage them to send a text to um, an adult or vice versa, um, or Zoom with, you know, friends from church um, that aren't just their peers. So those are just some ideas for those little, little kids 
uh, up to about, you know, age five or six. Relationships for the older child at what's called the affiliative stage of faith, uh, which uh, again is where a child begins to kind of value the family, but now they're moving out into other affiliations, other relationships, particularly in a peer group, uh, focuses primarily on the heart. And so this is going to need to be something that a child is capable of feeling. So uh, in, really critical in a child understanding the value of, of friendships uh, is that that's modeled by their parents, mm -hmm. that their parents are people who have some friends. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but just, just the awareness that it's hard to make and keep friends. But if names keep popping up and, and it's names of people who are valued by the parents outside of the circle, um, that is going to go a long way to helping our children to begin to develop relationships that are uh, of peers uh, that are beyond uh, the, the family group. There may need to be assistance given in finding friends. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we got to be careful about that. The kind of we live in an age of helicopter parenting. <laughs> but there can be assistance. There can be some ways in which uh, you know things can be arranged, connections can be made. But also, we want to encourage our children as they develop to, to find their own friends and to you know we're, do the work of finding out who really is a friend. Uh, and who really is just an acquaintance and that there, there is a difference. We can certainly encourage them to be looking for friends in the church uh, and, and uh, you know, valuing that, those kind of connections in whatever ways they can be development. Now, um, one of the things that obviously is, is significant and that you're aware of as a parent, if you're a parent or anybody with children, is that there's differences between children. They're extroverts and mm -hmm. introverts. And, you know, the classic thought would be the extroverts are going to find friends all over the place. Well, that may not be so, actually, in this day and age, when the extrovert, like me, who loves to have a whole bunch of relationships, but none of them, a number of them can be particularly shallow, um, that may have been torpedoed by COVID. And uh, it may be that God is calling us to a depth of relationship that more introverted children and adults can find. So just recognizing the differences in temperament uh, between children in terms of what they're capable of sustaining in terms of relationships and, and that their style of relating to others uh, is probably going to be different from yours. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a real challenge. This is an age, by the way, the affiliative stage is an age when uh, struggles with loneliness can begin. And there's nothing more painful, frankly, than a lonely child. And you, you're desperate for them to find you know, a good friend. And maybe they find somebody and that somebody turns out to be just mean and nasty and et cetera. And you know, it, it's a matter for prayer. It's a matter for consolation, uh, you know, joining God and offering consolation um, uh, in this stage. But uh, yeah, it, I, I don't have anything to say except that is a huge challenge and it's important that we not push, it's important that we not criticize, it's important that we not correct or make suggestions about how they might be more friendly, you know, and find <laughs> more friends, yeah. just to allow them to be in the struggle and to walk with them. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, so a couple of examples of... Um, these are really from my family of how we've kind of helped our older son, Noah, who is just about to be 11, to navigate some of these challenges during COVID. So something that was sort of a, a very unique opportunity at our church, and I recognize this may not be the case for 
many of you, it's, it's quite unique, but um, at our, in our church community, there were seven 10 year old boys um, just kind of around the community. And right at the beginning of COVID, we were wondering, you know, how are we going to help them stay connected to one another? So, you know, there will be some Sunday morning type videos and programming, but um, my husband decided, let's just get these seven boys together on Zoom and see what happens if we do an inductive Bible study on Zoom, which you would normally never think to introduce at age 10. Yeah. Um, we don't even start youth group usually until later in middle school. These are fifth grade boys. And it has been going since March, almost a year. These boys have been meeting for an inductive Bible study with my husband and a side parent every week. That's what they call the helper um, to study scripture together for about 20, 30 minutes. And then they get to be preteen boys hanging out on Zoom together um, where their parents give them permission to just hang out unsupervised on Zoom for about 20 or 30 minutes. So that again, having you know, seven same gender children of the same age in your church community may not be your situation. But at this age, when you still can arrange some experiences for them, even just getting them together with one other believing friend that they know and experimenting with doing a Bible study might be something to consider um, because I really think they're capable of more at this age than we often give them credit for. So just thinking about what are the opportunities to um, engage them in spiritual practices over Zoom. So that's kind of on the very structured side of things. Um, the other side, so this is something, and you know, I'm going to caveat this with about seven caveats that this is my personal way of parenting and may differ greatly from yours, but we really feel it's valuable for our almost 11 year old to have safe in-person interactions with his friends. So masked outside, but uh, rollerblading with a friend, biking around the neighborhood. We just still want him to have embodied experiences with his friends, again, as safely as we possibly can during COVID. Um, but I, the reason that I feel that that's important is I know that as we move into adolescence, um, so many of their interactions will be digital. And I just, I want our children to know how to hang with friends in person without a device. And I think that this is the stage where we teach them how to do that. And then the other piece, and again, this is a personal parenting choice. I really feel it's important to allow them again within reason and with children that we trust, uh, parent-free interactions. <laughs> so non-helicopter <laughs> parenting moments. So this kid that he rollerblades with, um, we don't go with them. They get to go around the neighborhood. We let our kids roam the neighborhood um, by themselves. So that's our choice, but I, I really believe that helping them to learn how to um, develop, forge, and work through relationships on their own without a parent hovering is important. And again, personal, personal choices there. <laughs> you may differ, but that's what uh, we do in our family. I'm really glad you're doing that, uh, you know. And, and that obviously would be applied in various contexts. You know, obviously if you were in a neighborhood where there were speeding cars all over the place, right. you would you yeah. do things differently, but still a concept of, of some, some freedom and yeah. some opportunity to explore and to develop creativity and ingenuity in relationships is, yeah. is really key. It's great. 
Relationships with the adolescent involves a challenge to the early relationships of family and church, since questioning faith by its very nature questions the quality of relationships with others, uh, including in the family. This is a time when, you know, it's hard. Our children are beginning to pull away from us, pull away from the family and moving towards other quote unquote family structures in their peer groups. And all of this is done with some of the black, white, unnuanced type of thinking that the earlier faith hmm. stages possess. So there can be really some painful things. And hmm. as a wise older man said to me, as you know, uh, I asked him, you know, what do I, what do I have to look forward to? And he described this uh, on the part of his kids that they started pulling away from him and his wife. And he just encouraged me to deal with my pain on my own and my sorrow that I'm losing my little kids. <laughs> Uh, and not to be a kind of a jerky dad who would criticize and kind of harp on how they're not, you know, taking care of us the way they used to, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is the stage of relationship development when the choice of friends may not be in the circles that we would like. Mm -hmm. And where issues of trusting the child while ensuring their safety is of critical importance, as Sarah alluded to earlier. In this hyper anxious age of parenting, I would tend to encourage us to err on the side of trust, as in trust and verify <laughs> when it comes to your adolescence friendships, particularly romantic friendships. And this is when, again, the concept of, of knowing more than just an individual, knowing a little bit about their family, getting some way to get connected in a larger sense is really, really important. The emphases of previous stages on family to family connections can be critical here as the goal isn't just one-to-one -one relationships that we want our children to learn how to be people who relate to people, people to people. And again, here's where parents can model for their children the value of true friendships. Those people whom Jesus described in one of, the, one of these wonderful parables of the, the guy who has, uh, he's gone to bed with his kids and a friend comes in, in the middle of the night and says, lend me some bread. I've got some people who came. So uh, yeah, the people who are honest enough mm -hmm. to tell you to get lost when you ask for bread in the middle of the night crisis, you know, get lost. I'm, you know, that, that they're, they're close enough to be able to tell you you're being a jerk, but who are loyal enough to you that they will get up and help you even at an unreasonable hour. Those are the kind of friends that we parents wanna to continue to nurture. You see, even before this pandemic, there's been lots written about the loneliness of this culture. And particularly for people in their 30s and 40s who were raising children. Men in particular seem to lose their friends in these decades due to work and parenting and the general pace of life. So for our own sake, for our own health, for the sake of our relationship with God, and for the sake of our children who are watching us, we may need to go on a search for such friends, just as our adolescent children are doing. Mm -hmm. It's as painful as yeah, it is so for true. them, as I did in my 30s when I realized that I just hadn't have any friends anymore. And it yeah. was like being an adolescent all over again. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're saying yes. You know, I know. Like, I, yeah. I remember right after I had our first child and all, it seemed like all my friends had babies and all we ever talked about was babies. I approached um, this single woman that I knew who was my age, but she was single. She didn't have kids and she just loved Jesus so much. And I just said, could we be friends? I mean, it was like 
grade school all over again like will you be my friend but um, we became very 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 close friends Um, yeah yeah, but I had to kind of awkwardly put myself out there and say I'm looking for friends yep I did too I remember approaching a guy you know going out to lunch with him and you know said I wanted to talk to him about something and you know I described how I just wanted to get connected to him and then he said well what's this about I said, well, it's about you and me, you know, and I just felt like, oh, it was like just really hard, but there we were, there we were. And And that became a very good friend. It was really, really wonderful thing. So what we're talking about here is about parents modeling that there are acquaintances, there are friends, and then there are the true friends and that they know the difference. So that Mm -hmm. as they go about looking for friends, they at least are able to say, what I'm looking for is somebody like this in my mom's Mm -hmm. life or in my dad's life. In that regard, this is a stage, we mentioned it earlier, when the role of mentors can be particularly important. These trusted adults uh, of the five, uh, perhaps Mm -hmm. in the sticky faith model, chosen by the young person to whom they can talk about things they would not discuss with their parents. Now, I was not aware of it, but Hallie, my wife, began praying for both of our daughters that they would find such believing mentors. They didn't push this, as my complete cluelessness attests. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I, I never heard her talking about this, but she prayed. And by God's grace, both daughters, including the one we're listening to today, found such relationships, such mentors. Yeah, so um, I, there was a woman at my church who was... um, a bit younger than my parents, but old enough to be my mom. And um, she uh, had just a heart for high school girls. She had been a former uh, Young Life staff and asked if I'd be willing to do a 6 a.m. Friday morning Bible study over breakfast with her. And I just thought she was so cool and wanted to be with her that I said yes to that. And then she invited a few other teenagers and we had a group of four or five teenage girls who would meet uh, for breakfast at 6 a.m. every Friday morning. And um, yeah, she is somebody that I think, you know, I, I often say she's one of the reasons I'm a Christian today because she helped take the seeds that my parents planted and really helped uh, to nurture and water them in a way that was very attractive to me and very appealing in a stage when I was sort of pushing, pushing away a little bit um, from mom yeah. and dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, when we think about going through these stages, where we're hopefully heading to is what John Westerhoff calls owned faith, which is the faith of an, uh, an adult. But the reality is, uh, you know, someone who's a young adult can have it and somebody who's a senior citizen can miss it miss what it means to having faith that uh, has hope written all over it, and in part because it's a life of relationships expressed in the wide ranges of approaches and experiences, commitments ranging on the introvert to extrovert scale. Yes, it's not good that we be alone, and not only because being able to trust in faithful friends that we can see helps us to learn how to trust in God we can't see, And it's not only because friends can be the ones God physically uses to instill the hope in us that we will be taken care of in this life and in the life to come. But mainly relationships form the basis by which we can realize the hope that we can become better people, better followers of Jesus, and better at relating to him and others for the sake of his kingdom. You see, the key to our transformation as believers, our own and that of our children, lies in the quality of our relationships. Uh, 
For it's here that our sin begins to ex be exposed and confronted, confessed and forgiven, and sometimes literally rubbed away. It's here that the gifts that we've been given by God can be brought out and nourished and encouraged by relationships with other people who identify them and call upon them uh, from us. It's here that the righteousness of Jesus, which really is described as the right relationship with God and others that he secured for us on the cross can be lived out in the right relationships that we work on with others, both within and outside of the family unit. So even in the midst of this time of social distancing and the challenges of living and working and parenting out of the home together with everybody else, let's take the challenge of maintaining and even developing new relationships for our sake and for the sake of our children. So we'd love to continue this conversation on our private Facebook group. Um, we'd love to hear your ideas and suggestions, your questions, your struggles, best practices that you've tried for your kids and your family in this uh, time of COVID reality. Um, so you can search for us on Facebook or you can visit peopleoftheway.org um, to join. So we'll hope to see you next month in March of 2021 when we'll look at the virtue of reflection, that ability to look not only to others, also within oneself, know and to be known by God. I hope to meet you again on the People of the Way podcast.